You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Making Waves. Welcome back to Making Waves. Thank you for joining us. Uh, guys, my name is Justin. I'm along here along with my host, co-host, I should say, Chad Nicefield. So hello, Chad. Uh, hello, Chad. And our guest this evening is, well, he's back in the spotlight. Took some time off, but we'll get to all that. Uh, please, everyone, tonight, please welcome Craig from the band Drugs. Destroy, rebuild until God shows. Welcome, Craig. Thank you, my brother, for, for coming and spending some time with us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get into it, man. First question. You guys took some time off. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of people live a lot, a lot of stuff going on in their lives in a decade. What, um, what brought you guys back together? Well, the band didn't really, it, it's basically me reforming it. Okay. Uh, it kind of built around me originally. And it's, it's more about like the conceptualization of the music. Um, just good songs. Um, very specific tonality and delivery. And I was just ready to write the next drugs record. Um, and yeah, I've done a bunch of other projects previous. And I think that kind of added to the separation of the, uh, the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're back making music, I guess. When you, when you were, you're, you're plotting out and you're like, Hey, I've got some music I want to do, but I think I want to go back and do it with, my drugs thing, my drugs mm -hmm. project, was it stuff that you couldn't do with the projects you're already working on? Or did you just want to kind of take it and run with it and make it your own thing and then bring in people to help with the music that you, you've created? Are you so that's kind of what the original is as well. Um, mm -hmm. I'll kind of write everything and then bring in musicians afterwards to kind of iron out some of the kinks and kind of bring extra energy that they can add to the songs and the music. But yeah, I definitely compartmentalize when I write, you know, when I write something, I know it belongs in this, this, or this. Uh, I love creation and I love just making music. I, it's just my everything and not everything I make just like my influences that go in is going to sound the same. Mm -hmm. And communicating it through the same voicings is a nearly impossible task and just leaving it to die isn't an option for me. So I just got to create man. And drugs was always the plan. I knew like I was in a band called Chiodos when I first started and that band was very progressive in nature, very youthful and in the sound in this kind of raw thing in drugs is the continuation focused more on writing great songs like actual whole songs so that's kind of the conceptualization of the project well i've noticed by listening to the new record that, that just came out recently destroy rebuild um you kind of run the gamut you kind of have some of the sound that people are really familiar with but there's some stuff on there that could be considered without saying it's just pop Sure. You know, and you said that it comes back to like writing great songs. Great songs don't always have to be these aggressive, punk-laden kind of songs. Sometimes they can just be great tunes. Yeah, usually the song demands the sound around it. You know, like the, the energy, the message, the intention, um, and even the delivery uh, itself, I think, demands a certain kind of energy and... I stick to parameters in drugs. Like I'm not, it isn't go like full on EDM pop, like you'll hear on mm -hmm. the radio or anything, but there are still electronic elements. So I, I reel it in with a certain sound design and scope 
uh, genre wise, but melody songwriting wise, whatever is the best song wins every time, whether that could be considered uh, an aggressive delivery, like the, the first track on the record destiny or a more of a pop style, like an outcast or a gold. Um, mm. They both belong, but it's just the melody shapes that make it kind of, I, in my opinion, kind of come across more like pop, you know? Yeah. So you're starting, you're, if I'm understanding correctly, the idea overall with drugs is to start with the actual composition of the song. You're starting with the lyrics and the basic melody. Yes. Whereas I come from the, the hall days as well. So back in those days, it was like, yeah. no, the vocals were like the last thing you would think about. Totally. Being a vocalist, you were just kind of like, here's a song, figure it out, dude, you know? Uh, and this this case is kind of like I can see where the writer's brain of you ha that hadn't had a chance maybe in those positions to be like, let's start from ground one and then build together versus we'll lay the vocals on top. That's exactly right. You know, in my last band, I was fighting against five other instruments, six people total. And that's kind of a lot to find your range vocally and where you sit in the mix and the importance of songs and melody and with a piano and a lead guitar and kind of the progressive nature that my original first band was, it was more of a theatrical thing. So now this is an opportunity for me to say, this is about great songs. Um, let me go study the Beatles. Let me go study the beach boys. Let me go study the best songwriters in the world and see what it is that I can do, you know, yeah. and drugs to me is like, low guitar real low syncopated just punch energy um with some nightmare before christmas type harry potter-esque production around it and great songs on top and it always starts yeah. with the great songs yeah, yeah you mentioned production it's a big big sounding record i mean it just yeah. sounds like it's got a lot of space in it you mentioned uh parameters and not boxing yourself in it's funny talking about gold and with all due respect, Gold is a song that could land squarely on the shoulders of a Harry Styles fan. And that's they wouldn't I, flinch. I love that. Yeah. And that, that's just, but that's what you want to do at some point. You know, you're since, since drugs was, was 10 years since your last output, uh, you've changed, you've grown up, you've matured. Things in your life have made you go, you know what? I'm not, I'm still angry, but I'm not that angry punk all the time. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're right. I want a little pet sounds in my life. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that like the writing of this album was real different. I wrote, so I wrote it unlike any other record before there were some sessions with songs that were championed that I just could never let go of. And I couldn't, they couldn't find a home, but they were so good. And then I presented them to producer Howard Benson, who did mm -hmm. this, this record. And he said, this fits, we need to do this. We need to find a way to make this work. Um, but in terms of writing lyrically, this is the easiest record I've ever written. I, during quarantine and the isolation, I definitely challenged myself like, okay, you're a songwriter, prove it. And you know, upon doing so, I stumbled upon some things that really worked for me in this, this project. And I really just ended up feeling like, feeling like a vehicle for these songs, like I, a lot of it was subconscious. I would just say the, you know, and I, I've been in some sessions where some artists do this, where they just kind of mouth the vowels or the words and all of a sudden it takes shape and it's like, oh my gosh, that's how I'm feeling, you know? And I had to go back on a few of these and be like, I don't even know, you know, it was like surgery. Like I woke up, I'm like, I don't even know what I just said or what it's about. But looking back, I'm like, holy shit, I know exactly what that's about. And I think that kind of vulnerability made it easy for me to write this record because I wasn't overthinking. And it allowed for some just some vulnerability that I think was really necessary to communicate, you know, within a kind of just my catalog of, of music, you know. Well, I think vulnerability is what draws your fans in because the curtain has been lit down a long time ago on the secret lives of rock stars or musicians. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to lay this out here because it's going to connect with 
over 50% of you because we all are going through the bumps and bruises of life. So that, I think that's one of the things now that makes music so essential. It's, you know, still some people see it as good time background music, but some people say, you know, this is going to help me get through the next second day because I'm feeling the same things he was feeling. And this guy is one of my musical heroes. And if he can feel that way, then I'm not fucking crazy. Yeah. There's yeah. something to be said about the subconsciousness of zippity doo da zippity day. You know, like we're <laughs> talking about the idea of like what's ha- your subconscious is is telling you something no matter what when you're in that moment. And mostly it's anxiety that pushes it from the from the back of your mind to your mouth. I think because when you're trying to come up with something, that moment is probably as a singer, uh, maybe the most anxiety ridden moment of our lives, you know, cause it's like the, there's nothing's going on. I'm talking about referring to in the studio had cans on microphone in front of you. And you're like, all right, dude, rip it. Mm-hmm. There's so much that could potentially go wrong. Like you can be flat or sharp or whatever. And then on top of that, what if you stumble over a word and that anxiety is what pushes all of that energy out. And uh, there's something pretty beautiful in the creation of that. I think and it's cool to hear you talk about it because not many people do. Yeah, I think it's like when I write a lot of the time, I'll be like, if I, I picture everything like a town square, like even social media, like if I'm going to stand on my soapbox and I'm going to say something, what is it that I would say to a group of people in front of me right now? And how would I communicate what it is that I'm going through and make it matter to them as well. And I kind of keep that in the back of my mind is like, while I'm doing it that way, there's, there's more intention than emotion. Cause sometimes emotion can be, I call it blue flaming where you just emote everywhere and you're just bleeding all over everywhere, everyone you come across and it's kind of off-putting, you know, but to speak with intention, I think is just so key, you know, when writing. Yeah. God bless. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you're talking about the process of you kind of how you kind of layer this and and build this project. I'm like, you know what? It kind of sounds like something that Steely Dan would have done back in the day, right? Mm. Fagan and Becker are going to build this thing. And then we're going to bring in the musicians who are going to fit that certain sound that's living in their head. Only that guy across town knows how to play this note on the guitar. There's that's a million so of them, but hippie. that guy can do it. Yeah, totally. Fucking and hippie. It's crazy that you mentioned that too. Uh, you brought up. Jonah previous, um, before I think we started recording Jonah Weinhoff and his playing guitar and, um, he showed up in the studio after, uh, we have a slower track on the record called the longest road. And it's a real by big dynamic swell into just a hit, you know? And, um, he started playing notes over it that I never in a million years would have thought of put down, suggested, uh, but it fits so perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's funny too. So mentioning Jonah, I mean, the, some of the players you brought in, they come from very heavy backgrounds and they were able to come in here and, and like, hey guys, we're going to kind of treat this like a blue note session. And was it easy for them to fall into that? Were they game to it? Was there a little hesitancy for them to kind of go, well, God, this is not really what I'm associated with. Or were they say, fuck it, you know what? this is a great great songs let's let's make some great songs i think the great songs is what got him in the door Mm -hmm. but then i think there was an excitement because i think a lot of them listened to that kind of music um and there was just a certain excitement to do something different and to do something new you know we had so we had um carlos cruz play drums who'd who is phenomenal. He's, he did a like power trip for a while. This guy is used to like thrash metal yeah. and he's got a long history. Great, great musician, but it was very different for him. And I feel like that was necessary in the sound of the record. Cause you hear these, you hear that influence and it kind of gives it this edgier punk rock undertone because of the count the combination of musicians and the way that they communicate and voice them, their instruments, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but it was, yeah, I, I think that all, everybody was excited for the challenge, excited to do something new and excited about the possibility of creating something that was more focused on great songs than anything else. 
Yeah, it's interesting, though, because you, you mentioned these heavy players, but you can still change up how you play it, but the finesse is still there. Yes. Right? The voice, yeah. you know, yeah. like the way they play the guitar, the way they hit the drums, like mm -hmm. it, that stuff isn't ever going to change. I, I wrote a lot of the guitar parts and, and a lot of the record with my friend Mitch, who plays in a band called Varials, and they're very heavy, very heavy. You know, um, and yeah, he was he was excited to to be a part of it and just do something different. He just wrote, I think, like 30 or 40 breakdown songs like the the month before. So he was excited to just do something, something new and different, you know. Right, right. It, it's funny. We were talking before a few months back to the scary kids, scaring kids. Mm -hmm. um, and they like you guys years ago, they were kind of a mainstay on Warped. Uh, but they just they took a decade off, came back and made this record much like yours, this big, huge sounding, ethereal, very mature record without but still had a little bit of the essence of the stuff. But they also realized, you know what? Hey, guess what? Our fans grow with us. They're not 18 anymore. They're 30. They're probably having kids. You know, they're in the jobs and mortgages. They need something, too, they can escape to. And sometimes that kind of big sounding music is a great escape. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting, too, right? The two of you, like, was that, was that, you did a, a, a like, a we're back tour and then went out together, right? Doing like a, a sort of, hey, that, that's a good move <laughs> as a, as a, you know, the promoter had a brain in me goes like, fuck, yeah, that's a solid fucking, that's a yeah. solid bill. And on top of it, it gets, yeah. Dave Shapiro. Yeah, yeah. Shapiro. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love mm -hmm. yep. That is, uh, how, how does it, feel, I guess, leaning into that, that tour now, when you are, you're not alone doing it. You're, you got your band members, but now you're not alone as the only band that's doing it, like brushing your, your shoulders off, you know, since then. It, mind you, I know that you've probably played a ton uh, with some of the other groups yourself, your solo stuff, but to be in a situation where you're rebirthing something that you did mm -hmm. so long ago with another band on tour, what is the energy like? Uh, you know, I, th I think it's a lot of like finding your footing again, like, it's like everybody just, like, had vertigo all of a sudden, and we're all just like, wait a second, wait a second, is, uh, am I doing this? And then it just kind of sinks in, you know, like, when you play three shows, all of a sudden, the muscle memory kicks in, and you're all just kind of refocused. Also, um, Cove uh, Reber uh, was on that tour as well in his new band mm. dead American. So that was kind of a newer venture for him, uh, as well post Seosin. So yeah. there was, there was quite a bit of it on that tour. And it was, I think it was just exciting. Like Chad from scary kids played in my last band towards the end on like a worldwide tour that we did. And so he was the homie. It was all good. Like it was just fun, comfortable, um, and the shows were crazy. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there, is there, when you, when you're making music and you're making this, these songs and your life becomes about the songs, is there a chance where you go, I don't think I want to tour anymore. I just want to make music and put this out. Is that something that can, you can do it nowadays or just the market says, no, you got to take it on the road. I think the market says you have to take it on the road for a band our size. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I definitely have peers that have actively said and are working towards that. Uh, creation is the goal. Creation mm -hmm. is the only reason I do this. I do this to survive. I am a vehicle and I am just grateful for the opportunity to be a vehicle for my experiences, for my life, whatever it is. And creation is the ultimate payoff for me. Um, mm -hmm. But there is something to said about to be said about um, the sharing of, you know, that emotion. But I will say that it is very uh, taxing physically, emotionally, and mentally to be on the road, to um, be out and traveling at such kind of extremities and performing at a certain peak you have to really have some emotional intelligence to process, mm -hmm. um, prevent and protect yourself while you're uh, out there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny. We, um, 
you remember i i don't know but you obviously can read about the history like bands in the 70s is that tour album tour album making almost knocking out two albums per year in the process that can you could you imagine that work rate right now i would love it uh this is the <laughs> For about five years right <laughs> and i'm out right i would just love like to make as much music as possible i've mm -hmm. I, like this is like how i beat death you know, like this is the chance, our chance at immortality. And yeah. I'm going to take every opportunity I can to do my best and leave that sonic legacy behind. Um, so the idea of more music is always going to get me excited. You know, <laughs> how many songs did you come into this album with? How many did you have that you had to kind of choose from? I think I don't know the exact number, but I want to say fully demoed out songs there may be like seven or eight that didn't make it I'm, the I'm reason kidding. i the reason i asked because and we've had this conversation over the last several weeks with many artists is the idea now that the ep is kind of the way forward for a lot of bands drop four or five of your best and that's going to be your record from now on is basically we're going to drop maybe it obviously gives you the ability to maybe drop two a year beginning and end Sure. Um, what What are your thoughts on on the EP? Are people kind of being a little short sighted, or is it just basically, you know, hey, give them your five best, or it, or, or is does a EP tell the whole story of what a record's supposed to do? I don't have anything against EPs. I think that however you choose to communicate your art is your prerogative, but I do think it's short sighted to just adapt to whatever a market demands in that moment um mm -hmm. i feel like everybody is so kind of determined about you know with that mindset of how can i succeed what can i do to get bigger how do i make get more spotify plays or playlists and things like that um and if given the opportunity i guess my answer to the question i will always do a full length. I will always do more music than less music. I will. I, I, I view it like, I don't think you should ever stop working your records. I don't think there's any reason to ever stop working your records. And I think short-sightedness in what it is that we do takes away from the creation of what it is that we, we build, you know, and there, if, if you only have five songs in you and if that's a complete thought and it feels right, then by all means, please go ahead. But for me, there's just always more music. If they would have told me I could have made this a triple CD, I would have taken the opportunity to do it. You know, I'm very Jethro Tull of you. <laughs> <laughs> I understand it's difficult to digest and I take that into account, but um, I, like I said, I feel like I'm racing time. And I feel like this is my only chance at immortality. And I have a lot to say. Hey, Craig, you know, goddamn uh, physical graffiti was four sided album. So you're okay. You're in good company. If you want to make a four disker there. <laughs> I, wanted to, I, wanted, sure. I wanted to mention um, something when you just you reminded me. One of my favorite um, creators is also, who's also from Michigan is, is Mike Posner and uh, his last mm full-length record about his father when he walked across America and that whole entire endeavor in his life. And the if you listen to the record, um, it starts with a foreword of him saying, hey, the record is this long. It's intended to be listened to in one full sitting. If you don't have 30 minutes and some odd seconds to, to devote to this, please, I ask you to please kindly turn it off and set it aside until you do have 36 minutes and 30, 23 seconds to devote to it. With that being said, this father, go, this record goes out of my father. And then it's a complete, and, and you just, when you're listening to it, and I listened to it in headphones for the first time when I listened to it, it moved me like, I think, and it seems crazy with all the music out there, but I think that, that I readied myself for it. It moved me like no other record has ever moved me in my entire life, I'm 38 years old. And I can't think of another time that, I mean, different types of movement, but I haven't bawled my eyes out and literally felt something uh, that the person was creating um, in my own world the way that I did then. So there, is, you know, like I think that that's a that there's something to at least explore there in 2022, especially when you're giving. I think the um, 
the right of way with your with your fans who are listening saying, hey, hey, this is how it's intended to be listened to. And you don't have to, but I, I would love if you did, you know. Uh, I just thought about that when you were like, if that you think is a complete sentence or a complete thought, then go ahead and put up the EP. And that yeah. really moved me there. So, yeah. yeah. I'm a f- Mike Posner is brilliant, by the way. Yeah. yeah. He, he communicates so well. It's one of our hardest jobs is, is, as, as an artist is to communicate our art to people. We create it. But then we're like, oh, we have to leave our cave and actually like show this to people. What I like, how do I do that? And he is so in his intention is so clear and he always makes it so um, poignant, you know? Yeah. Uh, One last thing I say, I'm a fan of vinyl and I appreciate full length albums because guess what? I don't want to get my ass up from my chair every 12 minutes to flip the fucking (laughs) record over. I need a good 30. He's like, same with tape decks, man. I, I, hey, yeah, yeah, I, love I miss eight tracks, man. I, yeah, I love eight tracks, man. Vinyl. It just plays if it, forever. Yeah. If yeah. it sells, let's keep it forever. And it sounds yeah. it sounds amazing. I'm all well, about vinyl. The advent now of cassettes is really exciting, too. Because, Wes, I'm going to go ahead and take out stock and pencils because that's how you're going to rewind Number those motherfuckers. Number two is watch out. <laughs> you're about to get freaking injected up in that <laughs> fucking stock market, dude. <laughs> Hey, let me get to this real quick commercial. We're going to be going live here in about a minute and a half. So let me just do this real quick commercial break, guys. So, hey, folks, at this time, I'd like to remind you that not only are you listening to this fantastic podcast right now, but we also produce an amazing rock music themed cruise vacation called Ship Rocked. We just finished up our 12th. We're heading into our 13th cruise, uh, actually, voyage, I think, this year, right, Chad? 13? It is totally a voyage. Lucky 13 is a voyage. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, this year we'll be going out again in January. Please go to shiprock.com to book your cabin because you don't want to miss the likes of Parkway Drive, Falling Reverse, and, uh, well, Craig here. Craig's part of a band called Drugs, and they'll also be with us. So please go to shiprock.com and book your cabin now. A few do remain. With that said, we'll continue on with our conversation. So I got a, I got something that may not even anything to do with drugs, but I read it today and i had no idea uh, is it true that you wrote with dr dre and i and in what capacity was that i did uh i've written with with him multiple times um oh, wow. i think we've had about a half dozen sessions together um i was do you want the whole story do you want to yes because this, this, this is awesome. fascinating <laughs> um so i was in we were recording the last Chiodos record in the mountains in New York um, at this like abandoned church, sunny day real estate recorder there. It was like a whole, a whole vibe. I was already living my dream. And I randomly got a phone call from my friend, John, who's from Flint, who signed with Dr. Dre um, about six months previous. And he said, what are you doing? Dre just heard your voice and he wants you to fly out tomorrow. Come to LA. You need to write with us. So the next day I flew to Los Angeles. Um, the first day it was me, Dre, Exhibit, and John just writing. We just wrote. Um, and then the next day, um, I went in and started singing and I think he made an example out of me for John cause they hadn't recorded yet. And so he broke me down at first, of course. And then he, um, and about two or 3 AM, I was flying back at like six, maybe AM about two or 3 AM. He's like, you want to try this again? and set up the mic right next to him in the room. And we just knocked out this amazing intro. And that was basically how I showed up and just proved myself to him, I guess, to him. And then he would just call me randomly. uh, Craig, hold that thought for one second, brother. We want to welcome everyone here to Facebook Live. We're here with Craig from Drugs. Right now, we're in the middle of a conversation about his recording process with Dr. Dre, who he's done several 
sessions with. So we're going to continue on with this because this is a seriously interesting conversation. So thanks for everyone for joining us. Also, if you have questions, put them in a thread. We'll get to them. Yeah. So basically he just would call me randomly. Uh, and I did, I was on um, his last album Compton that he did for the movie. And that telephone call was funny because he just called me about 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm an early to bed, early to rise kind of guy. Get it from my grandma, my mom. Um, so I was already like glasses on PJs, like I'm not getting out of bed for anybody type beat. And but he called and he said, come down to the studio right now. Um, and I'm like, I'm in my PJs. He's like, it's not a fashion show, Craig. Get down here right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I show up and it's Taleb Kweli and him in a room of about six or seven writers. And I just had to go. And that's kind of the world of, you know, you don't say no to Dr. Dre and you show up and, you know, um, we, I was lucky to have those first few sessions with him. He kind of broke me and made me feel really comfortable with him. And I was able to get some really cool moments being able to watch Compton with him um, and just the crew and just, yeah, always good vibes. I hadn't, and I, I just studied him. I just paid attention to every single, the way he bobbed his head, the everything. I, I was just trying to sponge it the whole time, you know, the guy's obviously brilliant. Yeah. Two questions. Uh, did you what jammies were you wearing when you, you showed up at the session? <laughs> I definitely Please. put I definitely dressed. I treated it like a fashion show. He said that, but I'm showing it up in if I show up in like gray sweatpants or something, they're gonna rip me apart. So no, nah, I wasn't I wasn't falling into that. I got dressed quickly, but uh, <laughs> I, I figured I if you went down when there were up. dollar sign pajamas or something, be kind of funny. <laughs> I was hoping it was a sleeping hat, <laughs> like you know, those long, those <laughs> what's up? Sorry, guys, I'm a little <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's so funny. It's like everyone it, with Dre, obviously he's such a professional and he's, I don't I even want to imagine how many move, uh, like records he's helped move, <laughs> how many units that guy's been attached to as far as sales. But just his presence alone, was it a little intimidating or you just kind of slide right into it? Hey, we're all just musicians here. I'm not going to sweat who he is and just get down to it. Or was there a moment? Was there that five minutes of like, holy fuck, what am I doing here? That That was it. Uh, I, I feel like when opportunities like that present themselves, sometimes they're so overwhelming that you're just trying to do your best at what it is that you're there to do. So I was just so focused on like getting into my zone and doing what I do. I didn't really have time to freak out. I think a lot of the freaking out happened post to be honest. Um, but then it, it honestly became more casual and I'm still in awe of the man. I think he's, he's a, a genuinely brilliant songwriter and musician. Um, and obviously many other things, but I really, really um, looked up to him growing up. All of these things influenced me so much. The, that dark sound uh, that he produced in his records from Compton is really close to the sound that comes out of my hometown location of Flint, Michigan. It's very similar. It's dark, it's moody, it's edgy. It's got a sharp bite mm. to it. Um, so I could really relate and he really helped shape my musical palette. So I felt like it was like manifested in a way because, you know, you listen to someone so much, you're going to draw that energy in, you know, without getting mm. too existential. Um, but I was just ready to go. Cause I didn't want to like, if I'm not ready to go, what I'm just easy, like pick up your jaw, get out. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. You're right. a dime a dozen at this point, if you don't perform for us and you just kind of hear it and just kind of like, you know, you're kind of fanning out. They didn't know. certainly don't want that. No, totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool story. Uh, no yeah. matter how you slice it. I mean, and there's not a lot of folks in our, in this specific space that I can say, yeah, so I was in my sleepy time PJs, wearing my hat and came down and what, you know, that whole entire process to me is, is just, uh, is it's what it's all about sometimes when you are in your, your headspace of the world is a vampire, right? And then all of a sudden, here's another quart of blood, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's well, the, inter the interesting thing is not you knowing who he is, but him finding you. 
that's yeah. you think, man, you, the, the needle in the haystack situation, it, it, that's the staggering thing. Like, how the fuck did he hear my voice? Yeah, I, he, I yeah. think he heard it on the, the John Connor record that he played him. And I think that one of my, the things that I didn't like about myself so much coming up was a blessing. And that's, I just think I have a distinct voice and that hip hop artists lean towards distinct voices. Um, mm. You know, you hear me sing and you're like, that's different. That stood out to me. And I think that had something to do with it. But um, in my head, I'll say it was just because I, I did well <laughs> and you wanted me there, you know? There you go. Yeah. Which is probably both. Right. right probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to, are we, do you want to move into, to walk the plank, Justin? Oh, I was going to say, hey, oh. Craig, at this point, shall we usually get, you ever been on a boat before you've been on a cruise? Uh, I bet. Okay. I was on a cruise one time with my uh, friend Marcus. I was horribly depressed. I don't think I had very much fun, but I was just drinking a bunch. Um, and then <laughs> writing sad songs at night. And that was in and, and old people touching my tattoos. That was really, I think, the, the only thing that I remember from. the. Are you, were you on a cruise or Pleasure Island? It sounds pretty <laughs> hot, bro. <laughs> it sounds kind of nuts. I'm just talking people like people touching me. I think we were the only young, younger people on the cruise. And in the elevators, <laughs> they were like, did that hurt? Did that hurt? You know, that <laughs> oh, they're absolutely fascinated by that because you know the only a lot of those people, the only people who had tattoos back in the days were were like sailors, right? Right. Yeah. yeah not, this not, actually not young, was like a decade plus ago, so it was less socially. Yeah, not young men, not young, well presented men. Like, why do you have tattoos? Were you in prison? Why? Well, yes, I was. I love the fact that you were writing songs. Like you were sad, getting touched by what? What for? What act? Can I listen to the, the any songs? You make? I, want, I want to be like, oh yeah, that sounds a lot like somebody getting touched by a bunch of old people. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. Uh, so with the cruise, then you haven't performed, and this will be your first time. Like, oh, yes. shit, dude, it's gonna be so awesome. And also, I'm just warning you. Do you think you get, did you get seasick at all? Uh, there might have been a little bit of motion sickness. Yeah. You won't have to worry about it because the, I don't know what it was like if it was a, a full on cruise ship you're at, but yeah. I, I was super worried about it. But again, I was drinking a little bit of booze to try to counter that. Like, I don't know why I feel this way. I'll drink booze and now I know why I feel this way. Uh, but the, because of everybody else's energy, like right when that boat starts to move, the only time that you'll ever notice it, at least. It, even if you like for me who do, does i do get like motion sickness was when you when you're watching the horizon pass and you're not moving and you're like whoa but after that it's it's smooth sailing quote unquote the most impressive part about specifically our cruise the shiprock cruise is that it seriously is like a family uh, everybody who's on the boat will have done their research about the band and know who you are, know what your music sounds like. They'll be at the show. They'll know your, the words. It'll, it won't feel like you're just walking in to the odd man out circle and trying to get picked on the team. You're already part of the team, whether you know it or not. So, and walking off the ship is, I, I, I can't say enough nice things about the humans um, that continue to be some of my best friends to this day. So I love that so much. We're all excited to have you guys on yeah, I'm excited yeah. to be a part of it. I think like the from what I've seen, the inclusivity is awesome on the comments and things like that. I definitely see like a sense of community. So I'm really excited to yeah, just hang out. It's gonna be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because you know, it's it's not a situation where like I feel like I'm auditioning for these people. I'm like, these people have already accepted you. They know their your music just as well as you know it. Because some of our fans of the bands you were previously, there's just that kind of music file these people are they're, they're they're pretty goddamn smart i'd love to see some of the record collections at home seriously um that's awesome but uh it, it's funny for people who have not been on and they come on and what's so great too is the artist camaraderie you know you're you know at festivals man you're like hey we gotta we can't stick around here we gotta play in poughkeepsie tomorrow so we're out of here now you have five days to kind of hang and probably with some friends of yours, right? So it's always kind of a unique experience to share that too, because at that point too, you're just out and about in the in the common in, in the common space of everyone, and like 
the the moment of people seeing you for the first time is kind of like that tattoo thing. Did that hurt? Did that? What is that about? It's going to be five minutes of like, oh my god, I love your band, blah blah, and then they'll see you again and just kind of give you a, what's up, dude. Keep on yeah. walking. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's what's great. So it makes everyone that's so sick. Yeah, you can Very relax. Late. I'm fucking relaxed. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah. No, Chad, please. No, I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna go right into it. I'm gonna start the uh, the walking the <laughs> okay, plank situation. Dude. That's cool. Okay. I said it. Now I'm gonna yeah. feel like a complete piece of shit if I don't like come back to it here and be like, uh, so Craig, here's walking the plank. My my question uh, is, what t- temptation do you try the hardest to resist? Oh my gosh, that's such a good one. Um, tweeting my every thought. that's a that's a that's that would be a very bad situation that would be very bad yes pbj or salami you know (laughs) you're like no dude (laughs) but that yeah that's that would be a hard one do you tweet a lot uh no i think i've got it narrowed down to a a couple tweets every two weeks something like that i've got it reeled in i just uh there's so many ways to communicate and i think that that uh you know it's so easy to just kind of go off the hip and communicate that way and sometimes it's just not the right way to communicate what it is that you're doing and you know so i kind of it's it's a little temptation just be like hey here's my thought but then who knows how it's going to be taken in 70 different ways of whatever so i it's pretty intentional with my my communication now you know but i'd I'd say that's a pretty good temptation that and maybe eating bread i try not to eat very much bread see the double whammy peanut butter or salami sandwiches right no right there's there's no nutritional value in bread so why eat it what's your twitter my twitter yeah so if anybody wants to see if any juicy it's just uh craig owens it's just my name Yep, you heard. It. I'm following her right now. <laughs> All right, my qu- my question is this. My question is this, and I will preface this, uh, Craig, with you're a handsome man, so don't take any offense to the question. Sure. <laughs> no if idea. you could change one thing about the way you look, what would it be? Mm, that's a good one. Because now we're getting into vanity. Yeah, I would probably shrink my forehead a little bit. It works when you see me in person because I'm like 6'2", 6'3", but on camera, if you notice, it's it's a pretty large forehead. Yeah. So I would yeah, I would ab- advertising space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get a monster tattoo, earn some extra bucks. A lot of people I think that have big foreheads do do that. They tip, you know, they'll tattoo the top or the side. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Who's who's is it? Post Malone that has the. Crown of Thorns. I mean, a lot of people do, but I'm just thinking, yeah. am I right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Posty can get away with anything. Yeah, that new record Especially is having a six head. Sorry. You, hey, before uh, before we go into the uh, question from our last guest, guys, we're going to only have Craig for about another five to seven minutes. If you've got a question for him, please, but don't be shy. Throw it in there. If, you, if you're shy, I'll just... I won't even say your name, but if you've got a question for him, please, by all means. Uh, otherwise, we're going to find out what this next question is. So before I tell you who asked the question, you'll have a chance to also ask a question without the next week's guest knowing who it's going to be. So fair is fair. Uh, so they don't know who your, who the guest was going to be. They're just asking this question willy-nilly. The question is, is there more wheels or doors in the world? <laughs> They were very, very hot on this question. They were like, good think one. about it though, bro. So just, just Wheels or doors? It reminds me of like a question that my, my partner and I sometimes go over, uh, whether potatoes or tomatoes are used most in the world. Um, <laughs> uh, wheels or doors? It was wheels or doors, right? Yeah, they said, is there more wheels or doors in the I'm going to say doors. I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but if they listen and they were like, yeah, I told you. So that's that right. We, didn't, we, we actually didn't get an answer to that. It was just no. kind of open-ended, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, well I think it was just shit. like, they wanted to know your, somebody else's opinion on it. And it was a Seth from Seth and Britain from the band, a wage war. They yeah. Asked great band. Great band. I love that. Band. A, um, yeah. The, it's difficult because wheels, you think about wheels, now they got me spiraling. You think about wheels and you think about a car, 
and how many wheel mechanisms are are needed to make it move? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's funny because that question sounds like something that's kind of passed around. Do it. It sounds like a question that's passed around. It's almost like that the the comedians thing, like the filthiest joke ever told. You remember when all those people were kicking that around, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and no one really knew. Wasn't a Bob Saget who tried to who ended up? Like, I think claiming I think Saget a, did. Yeah, yeah, maybe Saget rest or was it Gilbert Gottfried? Rest in peace. Either way, well. rest in peace to both of those. And I'm hardy. <laughs> Our losses there. Um, so yeah. So what do you want to ask? And you don't know who it is, and I won't tell them who's asking until they've answered. I don't. Is it okay if I go with something that's a bit more safe and about the? Sure. Is that okay? Uh, what artists are they most excited to see or nervous to talk to, and why? On the ship or just in general? Yeah, on the ship. Okay. Wow, that's that's good. That's good. That's good. No one's ever asked an actual yeah. like question like this. So yeah, we have uh, a qu- we have a question from Shiprocker Samantha. She goes, "Craig, what song off the new album are you most sentimentally attached to, and or what song holds a hidden meaning for you?" Oh my gosh, that's really really hard. I'm sentimentally attached to all of them, especially right now. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm I all of them. I I can't do a favorite. I can't uh they all meet ha, have like sentimental meetings and I could probably go half an hour to an hour talking about each one um and how much they mean to me um and also have these kind of hidden uh meanings. None of them are casual, none of them are filler. Um and it's all real. So, Samantha, you're going to have to drag every song from his dead, cold hands. <laughs> uh, is there one that has a hidden meaning for you? Or is it the same kind of thing? I don't know. It's kind of a, if they're hidden meaning, why would you want to tell anyone about it? Right. Yeah. And uh, they all have hidden meanings. They, yeah. they all do. And I, like, I try not to overly, overly like, in, intentionalize my, this song means this, this song means this, because I think sometimes it takes away from the listener's experience and projection mm-hmm. of what it is that they are trying to get from it. You know? Sure, they'll conjure up something else. They'll conjure up their own idea what the song's about to apply yeah, it to their just, lives. Yeah, we're all projecting yeah. our experience. Yeah. And, and as a listener, I'm selfish, and I want the song to be about what I think it's about. Totally, totally. I may I think, think it's about dogs, but you're like, no, it's about cats. And maybe that's part of the beauty of like what it is that we do is like that we provide that self-reflection and understanding for those people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Samantha, you're welcome. Um, so, Craig, what are the plans question. for you and drugs coming up here in the uh, the late summer and uh, early fall? Take it right out of my hands. I love it. I uh, I don't know. I We've been added to some festivals, and we will be touring in the fall, um, but we haven't announced anything quite yet. Um, so I unfortunately have nothing to plug other than the record, which everybody should go listen to. Yes. And the latest music video that came out it was Gold? Yes, Gold was, yep, the latest. And that's definitely like a good starter track, I think, for, for everyone. If they're looking for something a bit more heavy, a bit more riff-based, check out Destiny. Awesome. Yeah, guys, if you haven't listened to it yet, it is kind of a mixed bag of sounds. Uh, but this is all stuff that was this coming to Craig. Um, he was kind of like trying to think outside the box and some stuff and some stuff you'll probably be familiar with and go, Oh yeah, that sounds right. And then you're going to go, wow, this is new, but give it time. <laughs> let it savor it. Let it, let it stew for a while. Yeah. Let the earworms sink in. Oh, we got one more question before you leave. Winston wants to know if you were to do a, another pop goes punk cover, what would come, what song would it be? Uh, I'm in my Katy Perry era right now. So it would probably just there's an there's a Katy Perry era that I you know I didn't know this existed either, but I'm here. (laughs) I found myself here, and I really need to go see her live in Vegas because I hear it's amazing. Um, uh, yeah, that record, I think the the Teenage Dream record. I have like all my favorite singles and like melody shapes uh, saved from that, and um, so it would probably be something off of that record. Katy Perry. Yeah, she just crushes, man. Her voice is so good, and the songs are so well written. 
Well, you know what? Probably looking for an opening act for her arena tour. All right, let's go. Just, just saying, just saying. <laughs> let's just go. Saying. Uh, Al, there's a whole, this is actually for Chad while we got you. Uh, there's a gentleman, he's a, little, he's a young man. He's, he's been on the cruise once. His name is Al. He wants to know, is Chad's collar detachable? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is, little chap. Uh, I will cut it off here right now, live. Uh, yeah, of course it's detachable. I don't keep this thing on all the time. Anyway. Just tucked into the shirt, man. <laughs> Listen, we want to thank Craig. Thank you for your time tonight. We want to thank everyone out there in, in Shiprock land who, who joined us tonight. We really appreciate it. Again, guys, if you haven't yet booked your cabin or you're looking for a cabin mate, go to shiprock.com and make sure you join us uh, in January of 2023. And um, drugs will be part of it. And uh, we're really Welcome looking forward chill. to that. There you go. So, guys, real quick before we sign off, we want to just thank everyone. We want to thank, oh, I want to thank Chad. Thanks, Chad, buddy. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Uh, Craig, obviously, thank you. Best of the band. Please say hello, hello to Jonah. Maybe my name will ring a bell with him. We'll see. Um, also, thank the show producer, Al McManus, our show coordinator, Heather Smith, our show engineer. Uh, uh, I was only on her because she's out of the country. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Jen Jennifer Zito. Zito. Yeah, what's Jen Zito in Spanish? What, how do you say her name? Jennifer Zito. There you go, Zito. There you go. And then um, the captain, obviously, Alan Koenig. So we really appreciate those guys for all the hard work to do in and out, in and out, every week, in and out. Jesus fucking Christ. Is it an hour already? Listen, we want to thank you guys again. Uh, we'll do this again shortly. But uh, this episode drops in full Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern on uh, the Ask for YouTube channel, or you can go to Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, or Google Podcast, and Amazon Music to pick up uh, the whole episode. So thank you again. And we'll see you uh, somewhere down the road. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. See you guys soon. They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.